To see examples of what we talked about on this episode, along with further information, go to bunchofdorks.com. Welcome, everyone, to... Two Dimension Podcast. The comic book podcast... With no direction. What's up, everybody? You know the song, you know the voice. It's your boy, Rook. Joining me, as always, is the man. It's Mr. Don Moore. Hello, everybody. And returning again for more Frankenstein. That's right. It's Dalton K. Shannon and Wells Thompson. You know it. What's up? Man, guys, okay. I got I got questions, okay? I got questions. We got yeah, that answers. email. There's some stuff in it that I got to know about. But first and foremost, issue three and four. You got some crazy stuff going on. Yes, it's, it's gonna be nuts. <laughs> I know. I, I Frankenstein: The Unconquered is one of those series that just allows you every issue you can, to get a little bit more wild and a little bit crazier, and uh, just progressively kind of descend further and further into madness. It's great. No, it's it's a book that has no rules, so we get to just be like, okay, what's Frank doing this month? And it always seems to work out. That's not true. It has one very specific rule, and that's everything needs to be metal. <laughs> if it belongs on the cover of a Megadeth album, it belongs in Frankenstein the Unconquered. I remember a very specific conversation I had with Dalton one day where I, I brought him a concept, and I was like, is this too much? What do you think? And he said, can the Mastodons have wings? I said, why would they have wings? And he said, because it's cool. Because <laughs> it's cooler that way. <laughs> Is there any better reason? It's cool. Yeah, yeah there's so. no better reason. <laughs> so first thing I want to ask about is new artist. Yeah, uh, Ellie uh, uh, McKenzie, uh, Georgian artist, uh, really lovely human being, uh, and and just brings a really like powerful dynamic style to to Frankenstein the Unconquered. Yeah, yeah, uh, she, yeah she's very distinct from like Mary's style while still mm-hmm. being super grounded and gritty and exactly what uh, Frankenstein the Unconquered needs. But uh, but there, there's a li- little bit more um, of a grounding in her art, I feel. And it, uh, it really sings on the, the pages that we've been seeing coming in from issue number three. And it's, it's so exciting to be able to work with her. Yeah, uh, the, the samples I've seen are mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous. I, I really love them. Uh, went to the artist page and just wow i i, I can't wait to see <laughs> the finished products here. yeah yeah that's you see why we why why we stood up and paid attention <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well I'm, I'm like scrolling through it and i'm thinking to myself i'm like okay this is like this is some stuff that could be used like in like you know adventure modules I'm gonna oh have yeah it's yep. very yes. it's very frisetta it's very uh you know has that old school Conan vibe, which is is where mm-hmm. the Frankenstein the Unconquered lives and dies. Is is that sort of nostalgia and uh, and and old, rough, you know, heavy anatomy kind of books like Conan the Barbarian? Yeah, yeah, uh, I think I think style's gonna fit beautifully. And I mean, it's 
the the sample pages it has more of a more of a uh, a sketchy look mm. like a, mm. a grittier look to it uh but i mean it flows so great like i, I was sitting here comparing the pages sent the email versus what's gonna what's in the pages of the last two and i mean the flow is is great mm-hmm. yes yeah, and absolutely O'Shea DeMary. She does an incredible yes. job, and we we loved working with her. Uh, she just had some opportunities come up, and, and we couldn't, you know, uh, we, we agreed that uh, it was best to, to part ways. But um, but she's always welcome at Frankenstein the Unconquered. We were happy to have her for those two issues, and we're excited to see mm-hmm. the future things. Uh, I think it all fits. I think it all it all works. The style, uh, both styles work just as well, and... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, really letting the uh, every time I see any of these pages come in, it's just mm-hmm. electric guitars start shredding in my head. So that's what yeah. I, <laughs> I those, want uh, to hear more those, of that music. Those first two issues by Mary were very much uh, setting the tone and direction for the series, uh, and it it has this hyper rendered, hyper masculine like. Uh, uh, epic feel to it that that makes it very mythic uh and then uh ellie's able to come in and just take that baton and then show it through uh, a more grounded lens and uh like even even with like mr hyde like thinking about how how mary would have rendered mr hyde versus how ellie is rendering mr hyde it's like it's it's two different ideas but it very much fits in that world and uh it's it they're very compatible artists and uh the book is is better for having both of them on it for sure when when you approached a new artist how did you bring her in i mean how did you show the the project we begged and threw money at their feet that's, <laughs> that's usually how writers get artists is well, that, uh, we, I was <laughs> foolish asking the question but i was <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, it was, a, it was a pretty grueling process trying mm-hmm. to find uh, trying to find someone that would fit the style and 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 kind of live up to what we had already built. And uh, it was just a matter of we we found Ellie and we were enthralled with her uh, with with her inks and and she you know was very graciously was like yeah I've, I've heard of the book and I would love to to be a part of it. Oh. Um, so yeah, it was it was just a really it was an easy partnership, um, and we you know um, we were just as accommodating as we possibly could be with reference figures and 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 previous issues and just anything that she needed to kind of get up to speed, um, which yeah is is what she got it. I, I feel like it would have been you know pretty rough if we had just come in and been like, and by the way, we need the full issue next month. Like <laughs> right, we, yeah. we, we, she she had plenty of time to kind of catch up and and uh do everything at her own pace so uh which is ultimately how artists i think work best is if you just give them the space to do what they need to do right oh i'm sorry i I absolutely agree with them yeah i do i i agree as well that's one thing i always irritated me as a kid reading comics when they would change the artist and um (laughs) sometimes it was well actually almost all the time it was horrifying I mean, that's, I hate to say that, but, you know, you have a style you like, and all of a sudden, oh, what is this? It just kind of ruined it. This one, when Rooks had a sketchy finish, he's right, but it's a really polished underdrawing, you know, with a with a rough finish on it. But it goes with what you had before, and I was just curious if you 
and talk to the artists saying we're trying to keep it in this style or if they already kind of if they had to modify anything for it or if they already came into it fully formed with their own way of doing it i told ellie i want her to make it her own yeah because like at the end of the day uh you know it maybe it would have maybe bridging the styles would have you know made it an easier transition but uh we wanted the we didn't want it, it to be looking like she was forcing herself to do something she wasn't comfortable with or or, uh, or or accommodate an art style that was different than, you know, uh, what she was used to. Uh, we just wanted to make the best book we could. And we figured the best way to do that, again, was just to let her roll with, with her own style and uh, and with what she was, you know, able to do in this world. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, immediately, the first thing I saw was, like, she can do grit and grime and... And like the kind of uh, you know dirty um, you know out in the wilderness kind of feeling better than than any artist I've ever seen or worked with. So I'm I'm yeah thrilled. And the way they draw monsters is is great as well. I think yes. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be fantastic. Yeah, an imitation at the end of the day is is still just an imitation. You're not gonna capture. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we told her to draw like Mary one, that's that's wrong. But two, like it, she's never going to draw like Mary, like it needs to be Ellie's and, uh, and her, her style matches Frank just as well as anybody else to, to, to your point, Don earlier about like the fill-in artists, like a, a lot of the time that's, uh, that was due to, to the deadline pressures of the monthly churn yeah. of, of comics. Uh, and, uh, one of the, one of the pitfalls of doing comics like that, which is why it's, uh, to Wells's point, it's, it's great to be able to do indie books kind of like this and give the artists time to, to stretch and breathe so that they can do as many issues as, as they would like, uh, to the best of their ability and not have to worry about fill-in artists and, and just kind of make the book the way it needs to be made. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, that's really, that shows more in in indie comics than anything else, the the ability to wait and go, we're going to get this right. We're going to get it right, mm-hmm. and then it's all your guys's. We're going to send it out to you when it's right. Absolutely. I mean, because like Don said, I mean, there, there's there been, you know, with major publishers, there <laughs> there's times where, like, the artists change, and you're like going, huh? Yeah, just <laughs> I, on, a, on a dime, there's no, mm-hmm. yeah, there's no lead-in, there's no, you know, ability. It's just... We're on a monthly schedule. Let's go. We got to make. I mean, and sometimes I find some of my favorite artists in those fill-ins because it's just so out of the blue. You're not looking for it, but a lot of the times it's like it's the that famous story from um, what was it, 1968 or so? Uh, I think Jim Starenko was running behind on uh, an issue of Captain America, and they had Kirby churn out 20 pages uh, in like a weekend or maybe maybe 24 hours. And uh, Kirby's great, but that issue is is very much a rushed Kirby, and uh, it's it it that churn is just not conducive to great uh-huh. books. Uh, you you might get some good stuff in there, but it's it's not going to make the books you want. Yeah, 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 totally understand that. So I gotta ask. All right, so when we last saw Frank, he had just decimated wolf wolfman <laughs> poor poor yeah, larry larry, larry. now <laughs> yeah, preview pages we obviously see that he's still still carrying him mm. around uh what is what is frank's uh, what's frank's goals in these next two issues 
Uh, he's looking for uh, the people who shot him into space mm-hmm. as like the the sort of uh, the through line. Is the through arc. line of yeah of the first arc is like he's back. He's here for revenge. Um, you know when he goes to that town that Larry's in, he's he's looking for clues and he finds a couple of clues. He also finds Larry, discovers that he's a wolf man, and thinks you know maybe I can use this. That's sort of the one of the fun things about Frankenstein is that his his body is so malleable because he's he's sewn together from different body parts. So who's to say he can't take the Wolfman's arm and sew it onto his own hand? Oh, wow. uh, make his own make his own hand that that uh, Wolfman arm. Um, okay, you just took so, a whole new level there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah. that's that's sort of the the impetus for keeping Larry around and alive is like he's not sure if it'll transform without Larry being alive. So better not risk it. Um, so he's incapacitated, but he's around. Uh, and also, then, we and just we, like writing Larry. Yeah, and Larry is so much fun. He's such a great character. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, we continue to play with that sort of the, the malleability of, of Frank's body and, and uh, you know, uh, how that sort of affects him, uh, affects his outlook and, and uh, changes him over the course of the, the series. But uh, but yeah, this, this, these next two are him in search of, of, you know, the people that did this to him and, uh, and, and sort of the, uh, small stories that he encounters along the way, getting from point A to point B. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what happens with Hyde. I mean, <laughs> he looks just vile and menacing. Gnarly. I love him. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he does. So, is there ever going to be a limit on the uh, uh, on the classic monsters that we might see in here? I mean, inherently, yeah. There's only uh, so many. I mean, you got to go through the universal checklist, and you'll probably run into the limit. But the limit does not exist. We will just invent monsters in the universal fashion if we want uh, to. Like, uh, I mean, like issue over. I was going to say, moreover, that there are more cinematic, you know, uh, uni- horror universes. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying we're going to throw the nun in there or anything, but like, <laughs> you know, there's a good chance that we'll, we'll start reaching, start doing different themes and other stuff if we, if we get right. to a point where we're, you know, uh, past our initial outline and we would keep doing it. There's different places to go. We've, yeah. we've yeah. thought about, you know, what would happen if we push Frank into space. What would happen if we did it like closer to, you know. Uh, a slasher film and and you know start to bring those kind of uh, tropes into it and and I'm not good I, I I don't say that to give anything away like we don't know we're we're, we're not there yet but uh, I think there's a lot you can do with the concept so yeah I'm oh, excited yeah <laughs> I mean it's in in that vein like speaking of villains like issue number four uh, was kind of constructed as uh, almost a villain type because mm-hmm. we've gotten from because we initially went from issue three straight to uh, what is now the story, five. what is now issue five, and Wells was like, we need something in between. Something's not working. Yeah. Uh, we need a bridge. And so then I was like, okay, here's the bridge. And I, I wrote like a, a detective story starring murder Frankenstein. Yeah, a murder mystery. And uh, But we didn't quite have uh, the right monster for it. Like I had used uh, a universal character as as like the, the main villain, but it wasn't working. So we kind of pulled from another monster from not necessarily universal but uh you know is it not like, universal i don't know anymore <laughs> the, the blob is not technically universal but, okay so uh, but it, but you know you you take it's... the blob and and you make it universal because that that thing is just like a sci-fi b movie 
but it, the monster itself doesn't have a lot of personality. And so we kind of gave it some and then inserted it into this, this murder mystery. And uh, it's it was a lot of fun to have a the unexpected twist of needing a fill-in issue and just kind of playing by ear until it worked. Right, right. Uh, so it, it, it Blob is coming? Is that what we just found out? <laughs> so, oh, yeah. There, there you is. can tell. For the, I'm gonna it's say, on one of the variant covers. It's not It's not yeah, going to be a awesome. spoiler. Uh, that said, yeah, no, I, the, the specific take that we have on the Blob is is unique. Uh, it's it's not something that you would see in a film or in or you know in another story featuring the creature. Um, plus, there's also you know uh, there are some other uh, characters in there, uh, and there's some uh, dramatic reveals in that issue that I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how people uh, react to it and and sort of what because it's not like an outright like this is what's happening, but it's it's a little bit more ambiguous. Uh, but I, but I think a lot of people are going to sort of catch on to the the through line of where this is going after issue four. Nice. Which is again uh, very fun to get from from like a fill in issue uh, <laughs> from a from you know just a story that fleshes out the world and not one that necessarily has to do with the main plot. Mm-hmm. Well, but fleshing out an overall world. Oh, it's no, it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. If you have space for it. Yeah, I, I mean, I do it in my own writing. It, there's, you know, I, I actually have an, have an issue right now where uh, I have to I have to go back and write a completely different piece because of adding a new player to my table. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> like we it we happens. added a great great experienced player, and I'm so thrilled to have her. But then I realized, oh crap the next story doesn't work. And it's like, (laughs) so now I'm like, okay, I got a month. I got a month. All right. (laughs) Figure something out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, fill in stories can be amazing. And it sounds like this one's going to be just off the wall. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's the first taste of, um, Franken light, I would say, where most, uh, you know, m- most of the Frankenstein stories are, are very much like swinging a sword, all this action, fighting monsters, and and this one is uh, lower key. It, I, I don't think Frank draws a sword once. Uh, it's like, like I said, it's it's like he and Larry are trying to solve a murder without you know, burning the whole village down first. Yeah. It's also, and, I'm realizing the, the first time that we really uh, show what life, like day-to-day life is like yeah. in, in the Wasteland. In the world. Yeah. yeah like, or in the world of Frankenstein the Unconquered. Mm-hmm. It's like the first time we yeah. see like a functioning village and people just kind of living their lives, which is which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. Yeah. But we revisit that throughout. Yeah, the there's a couple of, of yeah, there's Frank a couple of issues where, like that, yeah. where Frank isn't necessarily just killing things to get his job done. Sometimes he has to be very polite and attend a dinner party. And other times he has to like, you know, do a search and rescue kind of thing. It's, it, it really just depends on the story. And Frank is so malleable that he works in everything. Yeah. Yeah. Cause up to this point, we've seen kind of more of a hyper violent, hyper masculine, mm-hmm. every, every problem is a nail and he's the hammer. Yeah, right. and that's very much how he sort of approaches every problem, and and really at that at the heart of like why we needed this this fourth issue is because he's always 
left to his own devices, he will always be the hammer for to 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 force his will upon the nail of whatever mm-hmm. problem it is. And it's the characters around him that have to go, hey, you know, there's another way. Let's let's try something else. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 a great bonding moment for him and Larry. They get they get to be closer. Uh, we we introduce another key character in the world of Frankenstein: The Unconquered. Uh, and there's a you know there's fun uh, creature feature uh, type stuff. Lots of monsters mm-hmm. and more and more backstory. We throughout all of this we're learning bits and pieces of Frank's backstory that are uh, key to sort of unlocking the rest of it. Yeah. I, I, I kind of chuckled when you said uh, Frank and Larry get a little closer because I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, Larry doesn't really have a choice in this. Oh, no, they get, no, he does they get not. very close in issue number three. <laughs> get very close. Um, I, I can't get past the whole Larry and the malleable in his arm. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I kind of cool. lost me. I've been thinking about this in a loop constantly <laughs> um, ever since. I've never heard of anything like this. And I find it amazing and horrifying. All yeah. That's sort of the, you know, to, to me, th- there was a concern in, in Frankenstein number two, like toward the end that, you know, we had built up this encounter with the Wolfman and it, it's sort of over in a, you know, in a page and a half. And I was, you know, I was, I was sort of wondering, like, is that, is that going to be disappointing? Is that going to be enough? And then I realized that, like, the horror, the actual horror is the thing that takes place off page. And when you realize that when you see what he's done to Larry and how he's sewing his arm onto himself and like how uh, just gross and manipulative uh, Frank is like literally physically in that way. Uh, That, that to me is like the actual, you know, uh, unsettling horror of the issue. Not, not so much the big monster fight, but just the, the, when when you get to see exactly how much of a monster Frank is, is when the, that's when it comes alive for me. I've never heard of anything like this. <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, this is this is out 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 from the side. Um, that surprised me, but I, I can't get past thinking of it. And as what you were just saying, the reader can fill in the blanks, and that's usually more fantastic. What actually, what did you actually see? Absolutely. No, I mean that that was and that was a lot of the fun of doing this uh, of writing the series and, and making it happen is uh, sort of the unique takes that we have on on the monster because it's you know it's obviously our love letter to Universal Horror but we don't want to just like reproduce those you yeah. know one for one like a photocopy one That'd for be boring. one yeah we want to kind of bring our own voice to it and, uh, and yeah if if we didn't have those weird elements if we didn't have those very strange elements and those like those things that keep you up at night. I don't. I don't think either of us would be nearly as excited to do this uh, series. Also, Frank is a mix and match action figure. It's just it's it's too good to pass up. Oh yeah. Call us McFarlane. He can have so many accessories. Image. Where are you? <laughs> oh man, can you uh, action figure Frank? And then all the other action figures, their limbs pop off and are interchangeable with Frank. Every figure is a build a figure. It's great. Oh, man, I love it. I love well, you it. You guys are kind of genius. I have to say, I, I liked you before, but uh, you're kind of genius. It must be the mustaches. It must be. It's the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk for a second about the Adopt the Page program. Yeah, absolutely. I like that it's a program. <laughs> it is, it's yeah. a program now. Yeah. Uh, w- what is this? 
Yeah, yeah. so uh, we, uh, we we wanted to do something for our backers that was akin to, you know, here's a page of original art. Thing is, uh, across the board, uh, all of our art is done digitally, at least for, for Megaton and Frankenstein, that's the case. Uh, so, you know, it's we could print it off and send it to them, but that, that doesn't have exactly the same uh, weight to it. Uh, so we thought, what what could we do that's that's unique that would draw people in? And uh, what we came up with was uh, you do get like a an 11 by 17 printout of the uh, page that's unique. We only print one and send it to you. Uh, you also get your name on the page so that people know that it, you were the one who adopted it. You get your name in the book on the thank you page saying that you adopted the page. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and and the idea is that it's the cost of or how much it costs to make a page is what you're paying. So you're you're kind of making the page happen one to one. Plus, you get uh, you know uh, a foil copy of the uh, or of the uh, comic. So you're getting uh, a, a deluxe version of the comic. You can see your name in it. It's it's yeah, it's a, it's it's a whole program just designed you know for people who want that sort of personalized experience, and that's what Kickstarter is all about, you know, being able to uh, take a kind of uh, personal interest in a, in a project and, and really tangibly make it happen. That's such a cool idea. I, I, I've never seen this before. Yeah. Is this something you guys thought up or uh, is this something you saw somebody else doing? Where did this idea even come from? And it was more or less just us kind of toying with with ways to sort of let our backers be more engaged, create a permission structure for the people who wanted to, you know, spend a couple hundred bucks on making the the uh, project happen, you know, um, and give them something unique. And again, it was I had seen people give away like original art and, and like the big Bristol board pages, and that's a great thought, but. It didn't work in our case, and we needed a uh, kind of an innovative way around it. Nice, that's such a cool idea. I can't wait to see the execution of it. It's 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 going to be so cool. For sure. Well, you have for uh, a few campaigns. I was going to say uh, you have uh, issue uh, two in there. If you flip a couple pages, if you click flip to the uh, thank you page, you'll see uh, Edward Crone adopted page. I think it's number two, and you can open it up, flip to it. His name's at the bottom. It's all there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it is. I never even freaking noticed that before. Holy crap. Yeah. And <laughs> Eddie, I, I feel like we're close enough I can call you Eddie. Eddie got a great uh, 11 by 17 print of that page. Yeah, and, it's beautiful. Uh, Eddie, Eddie's great. Oh, best best. Eddie. <laughs> right. and, and that is such a cool page to have. have you know. Oh, for sure. And it's, uh, for those listening, it's first come, first serve, so... The sooner you, so if you get in, you get first dibs on a page, and then the next person down the line is like, okay, you can have any of these pages except for that one. That one's claimed. Man, oh, that's why, man, I, I'm kind of annoyed at myself to have never noticed that down there before. Like, (laughs) I probably just like glance past it and go as I'm reading through. (laughs) There's lots of cool stuff to see in Frankenstein. I understand it's fine. Yeah, you know that there, there really is, and you know on each read you you notice a little bit more each mm-hmm. time you know and that's one of the things that i love about comics is 
there's so many different ways to read it. There's the the quick way, just read through the text, glance at the images, and then you go through a second time and you 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 really focus on the art. And then you can go through a third and you focus on the detail. And mm. that's, you know, that's that's where I love looking at stuff is going going nice and slow and looking at all the detail and everything like mm. that. Apparently, I don't notice some details. <laughs> wow. All right. Have to pay more attention. There's a lot of stuff to see. <laughs> I'm, I'm still not past Larry's arm. I'm sorry. I'm thinking. <laughs> okay. I, I know I'm not going to be worth worthening on this show anymore because I keep thinking, well, what if it transforms? What if he's doing well, this? Uh, anyway, well, uh, that's the point. It transforms, yeah, and now he has a cool wolf Larry arm. Larry transforms yeah. into a wolf. The, the arm also becomes this big. Hideous it's a wolf. weapon now. It's oh. it's part of his arsenal. Yeah. I'm <laughs> Yeah, I'm just imagining like Frank issue like 20, and he's got like a collection of like, okay, I'm gonna use this body part, this body part. Yeah, we even recognize the creature when it's finished. You know, I mean, he's just, I, I know. Uh, I have sewn rocket launchers onto my shoulders. I am, I am God. Yeah. <laughs> Don't think we haven't thought about it. Well, I'm thinking about you know how you find random issues sometimes. You know, like maybe you have an early, the first or second issue of Frankenstein Unconquered. And then when you get to like issue thirty, well, what happened? What is this? You know, this doesn't look anything like that. Which you know, a lot of times you see that in comics, but yeah, um, you you got an earworm going through my head constantly. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. And the whole yeah. page idea with Rook saying who came up with this? Uh, didn't you hear Larry's arm? <laughs> as you're as you're talking, all I'm thinking about is what I'm going to tell Dalton after this because I just came up with a cool idea for this. <laughs> <laughs> Rock on. Awesome. Let's do it. It's, it's, oh, I love it. I love it, man. You know, well, that, thinking. that's one of the great things about this book is, I mean, you guys can just, you can go hog wild and do all kinds of crazy stuff because Frankenstein, I mean, Frank is just, like you said, he's so malleable to be able to do all mm-hmm. these different things. You know, we've seen in, in, other media, so many different variations of them. Some of them done yeah. very badly. <laughs> uh, so it, it it it's nice to see somebody that has all this thought. You guys put so much thought into. Okay, what's the craziest thing we can think to do next? You think people well, like yeah. it? Yeah, well, I don't care. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> there's definitely that. And there's definitely a you know we we wanted at least I wanted. Uh, this to sort of be the bridge between like the the original novel, the the classic version, which sort of gets lost in the shuffle a lot of the time. Uh, you know, it's a it's a trite talking point now, but in the novel, he's a really intelligent creature. He speaks French and English. He uh, he talks philosophy with Victor. He has really compelling uh, goals that are that are more than just like you know necessarily just revenge. Um, and and that and like the the, cla- the sort of horror movie monster version that we're all sort of very familiar with and that gets gets used and recycled all over the place and those iterations are a lot of fun all right Alvin and the Chipmunks meets Frankenstein is a jam and uh, <laughs> and everyone should yeah no there, there's tons of, of variations of Frankenstein that works but we wanted to sort of bring together you know what what could have turned that creature into 
one that's a little that's angrier that's that is more concerned with just just uh, you know using brute force and and is is sort of grown tired of the way the world is um and that was sort of the 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 fun for me of like drawing out this character and and being able to play with them and and say what i wanted to say about the world uh using <laughs> using that sort of sculpt so do you guys, uh, I know we've asked before, how long is Frank going to run? How how much do you guys think you can go? How far uh, can you go? At, well, right now we have uh, 13 issues plotted, I think. Uh, and we have an idea for at least, we have an idea we're not, that we're not hard committing to yet for at least an additional six. Uh, so it, it could go as long as, you know, it Theoretically, it could go to like 20, I could see, um, you know, and, and maybe even beyond that if we're feeling particularly mental yeah. or or if it blows up in a very in a spawn like way. And that's just yeah. like it's like, oh, here's what we're doing for our jobs. I, I mean, there's <laughs> there's uh, we've even considered spinoffs of certain characters and there's definitely a version of Frank we could do that's that's just the Roy Thomas and Basima uh, Conan from the 70s, where it's just oh, yeah. a new adventure every month where he's he's just doing something without a, a through line. Like, uh, that's that's definitely, like, an option. But but we're, we're having more fun with this right now, and I think the mm-hmm. 13 is kind of our, uh, our goalpost. Uh, if we, you know, if and when we make it to 13... Uh, and we want to go further, we, we probably will, but uh, it's it's just a matter of uh, if we're still having fun, uh, if the audience is still having fun, and uh, if Frank has enough body parts left to even do anything. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, yeah, if he has enough body parts, I like that part. <laughs> I mean, it's, at some point, he could just be a brain in a jar piloting a giant robot that fights our Mechaton guys, and that would be a crossover I would love to see. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Look, Wells, Frankenstein is just the Mechaton glove. He's, he's, just, not, he's just a meat in, bag. He's not... In the Mechaton universe, not <laughs> insisting that they're in the same universe. All right. The whole time I've been thinking about this, I kept thinking, what if he's got a different face? Oh, no, it has to be the same head. Now, with a brain in a jar, the possibilities are endless. Um, I think I think he could remove his face. He could, he oh, could yeah. get it. He would, the thing is, like, yes, he could, but he would still be, like, a nine-foot-tall, stitched-up mind. He would be very recognizable, like, from just ev- every other part of his body. <laughs> like you don't recognize yourself anymore. I mean, I guess this yeah. is all new to him, but now all of a sudden he's having to go through this again. I, I feel for him, and I'm really starting to feel uncomfortable with both of you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ultimately, the monster... Uh, monster is- doesn't know who he is. Is like, a he, sympath- he never had his yeah. own stuff. He's he's a sympathetic figure in a lot of ways, particularly in the novel. Uh, and I think we play him a little bit more of you know the antihero and the villain in this one. But I but you know the story is not near over, and I think he has a lot of room to uh, to potentially growing. Uh, yeah, to to sort of find himself. Yeah. This this is incredible. Everything you said is an understatement. There's um there's so many possibilities to this. It's um. Again, I'm I'm not gonna sleep well tonight. So <laughs> give you guys a call to complain. But um 
<laughs> I will take that. The biggest compl- <laughs> yeah, it, it's the biggest compliment when somebody tells you you're the reason they can't sleep. Yeah, well, um, I'm telling you now. It's. <laughs> I've heard someone say that, like, as a as a horror director, uh, the the biggest compliment someone could say is like, I had to look away from the screen. I can't. Oh, I couldn't yeah. even. <laughs> well, you know, that's one thing. I I always love the Universal horror films. I grew up on those. My mom liked to watch this stuff when I was a baby. She would leave me on the couch. I'd be sleeping, but she was afraid to watch them alone. <laughs> but when the Hammer horror films started coming out. They were, they were different. I mean, the thing different. They, they were, went a little harder. Harder, but they were imaginative. Like um, mm-hmm. the Brides of Frankenstein. You know, when he's bit and he pulls out the holy water, which mm-hmm. I didn't really understand because I wasn't Catholic. But it was, it was fantastic. <laughs> you know how how he you know burned it and poured the water on it. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, what? Well, Frankenstein and Conquered is that same vein where it's it's pretty imaginative and clever in a thinking that you don't see um I mean, i'm saying this is the highest compliment um you know when you come on rook's excited i'm like oh yeah we talked to him i don't care you know <laughs> now i'm all on board i'm glad you came on no not really <laughs> this is incredible yeah. Thank oh, you. well, I'm glad you're excited. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad somebody's having as much fun as we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Because because we never know where you're gonna go with this. Yeah. You know. I, uh, neither do we until we get there. Yeah. <laughs> That's the fun. So of course it's gonna be issue three and four again. Uh, mm. Double issue Kickstarter. Uh, which I think is brilliant. I love the fact that you guys do two issues in a single. Yeah, we're still testing to see, you know, if it's fully viable. Uh, but and and but we would love to keep doing it because it it reduces shipping costs for everybody. Uh, you know, you're you're paying half the shipping that you would on two individual you know comic books. Uh, it's it's getting it's allowing us to get you more content faster. Uh, and it allows us to explore, you know, other areas. So we can we can still do me- we can still put out as much Mechaton and Frankenstein as we were, while also doing a graphic novel, doing a you know one shot, doing trying a new uh, I, IP, um, you know, introducing more more stuff that we can do that's fulfilling for us creatively and and allows us to reach a wider audience. So. It's it, I, I really like it. I hope we can continue to stick with this model. Uh, we'll, we'll just have to see how everyone sort of reacts to it. Mm-hmm. If, it's, if it's possible to keep going with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually was talking to another artist, uh, another writer recently uh, about how you guys are doing two issues at a time. And they were like, how the hell do they afford to pay their artists that way? <laughs> they were like, I, I she's like, my artists, I can't afford to pay them that that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I, we we double our uh, goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we just make we, the goal took, even bigger. Yeah, we just took how much was the last goal? Five thousand. Now it's ten thousand. All right, let's let's see if it, let's see if it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the the chapter one, chapter two. I lo- I love the fact that in one box I got two books. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know. Like you, you get, I love single issues. Don't get me wrong here, people. I love it, but the wait in between Kickstarters can kind of kill you sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, just it's a slow machine by design. 
You know, you got a whole 30 days of just collecting the funds and then, uh, you know, the, the time, assuming that you can't get started on production until you have the funds, you then have, you know, uh, a month or two of actually making the book and then sending it out. And then at some point after, during or after you sent it out, then you can start planning for the next one. And, you know, that so you have like a minimum of five I would say like five, six months between issues that you can do if you're absolutely hammering it. So, or between camp, between like the same campaigns. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unless, you know, I, I haven't seen a successful case where anyone has put out number one and then before actually sending the book out, started the next campaign on number two and it's worked out very well. That doesn't seem like a good idea to me. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just it's so the results is just it's slow. It's a lot slower than yeah. you know the the monthly cycle on uh, on published uh, comic or on, on you know uh, direct market comics. Um, it's the other side of that scale where yeah. you know you want to take your time. You want to give your artist as much time as possible to make the best product possible. But I mean that's that's the double edged sort of indie publishing. Like yeah. yeah, it's gonna it's gonna take a while to get the product you want, but it's gonna be good when you get it. Yeah. Ultimately, I, I, yeah, part of the reason why we wanted to pick up production is because we just, we want to tell the story and we were looking mm-hmm. at the timeline of like, well, how fast can we tell the story if we're only putting out two issues a year? Like, we're going to be 40 <laughs> before it's done. Yeah, it's, we, we, we wanted to speed it up because it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're getting it done. I mean, you're getting, you're getting the thing going as it is and maybe it'll change later. When you started these Kickstarters, did you go in it understanding what you know now? Like how, no. how money works? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm just curious because, I mean, it sounds like you've worked it out, but I was just wondering what the learning curve was like. No, it's every steep learning curve. Every every campaign you learn something new. And and I think if, if we could go back and do it again, I think we would do probably more like one shots, probably make smaller, <laughs> smaller scales. Yeah, instead of like 15 uh, stories all the time. Yeah. yeah, a lot more, a lot more smut. I'll tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sells a lot on there. I've noticed. Oh yeah, um, cool. if, you, if you're interested in making any amounts of like actual profit on anything, smut is the way to do it. Um, but yeah, no. But but that said, you know, I don't regret how we approached this, and uh, almost every campaign has grown from the last one, uh, even the ones that don't work out as well. <clears throat> you still get a substance. You still learn a lot. You still are moving the story along. Um, you know, the last one that I was able to do, which I did solo, we, you know, was the easily our most successful campaign. Uh, you know, by by over ten thousand dollars over over the last uh, most successful. So uh, clearly, the audience is there, and the audience is growing, and we're able to, you know, as long as I think we're able to continue to deliver quality comics and and people are there to appreciate that it'll only get better and better and better i agree now when you're writing that's something you're saying i just started wondering about have you written a lot of strips ahead or are you just waiting until before the thing starts it depends actually it depends (laughs) so dalton i'll let you describe your uh process uh my my process is uh and I didn't realize this until probably a year and a half ago, that it's a, a very ADD-rattled brains mentality on how to write. So I, uh, 
Wells was like, hey, uh, so Frank, we, we think, what are we thinking? Like 12, 13, 14 issues? I was like, yeah, yeah, probably. And so I, I made an outline and then over like. I didn't, um, I want to, I want to stress, I didn't hear from him at all between, yeah, yeah no, that sounds about right. And then radio silence. And For then, like, like two, three weeks. And yeah. then I had all 13 issues written. And it's just like, here like, they go. Here you go. Yeah. No, it was 12, Stern, and then it was 12 done, originally, and then all, I yeah, told him. Oh, yeah, and then you commissioned the – I was the, like, hey, so I then think I wrote we the fill in in a weekend, here, yeah. and I was like, done. Okay. There. Uh, so that, and it drove Wells up a wall, and it still does because he's like, we've changed oh, so I, much yeah. already. And I'm like, well, so this is the first <laughs> draft. This is the first read, draft. I refuse to read past a certain point because my method of writing is very – like – we're we've written the first draft of the first of 13 issues of Frankenstein are done and have been done for nearly two years. Okay. Uh, whereas Mechaton, I just finished writing the first draft of issue six like a couple weeks ago, uh, and and we and we published issue five. Like that's how I I very much prefer to watch how it evolves and to adapt on the fly. Uh, hmm. So that way we're keeping the story for we still obviously we know where we're going with it we we know sort of what the overall shape of the the story is but it's so frequent that you wind up doing something small and then in the editing process you go back and realize oh this is really cool we need to we need to build this out we need yeah. to deal with this and then suddenly you sort of if, if you try and hammer that into the the shape that you had planned for it then the entire thing, it doesn't work very well, so you wind up having to change the entire shape down the line, uh, which is which is what I was trying to avoid. So yeah, so the way we work on Frankenstein is we are we obviously have those first drafts written and we've just gone through and uh, before it's time to, to really start working on them and thinking about them uh, for the next campaign, you know, in the next couple of weeks probably I'm going to look at number five and six and, and really start editing those and saying, okay, I'm, what of this still works and what of this needs to change and uh, how can we make this as good as possible? Yeah. Yeah. That answered everything that was going on through my mm -hmm. head. That's really good. Uh, Cause that's what I was wondering about. If you had everything written, sometimes you got to be flexible. You, you start yeah. thinking of something else or the story builds. Yeah. That's I'm going to stop talking. That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's funny hearing you guys talk about that because that's it, like both of you is how I write. Uh, I I get an idea in my head and it's like, okay, I just start writing adventure campaigns and next thing I know, I've got like five sessions written, but I have no idea what people are going to do in a, in a game. Mm -hmm. So I here I go, I have to go back and go, okay, no, 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 that doesn't work anymore. Piece this together. <laughs> it's like, okay, yep. all that like heavy writing that I just did for the last like three days all has to be tossed away because it no longer fits and I have to have to go back and I've learned to do the one at a time writing. Right. But I still get ahead of myself in writing. Uh, it's it, you guys know, as writers, you get into a flow and it's like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Follow that flow. Don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> you got, you got to follow <laughs> and it. To agree. The end, like, and you... then, yeah, you got to follow the flow, and then you have to edit. Like sixty percent of writing is is editing. Yeah. So like at least sixty, probably more. Uh, but but at least but follow the flow to the end, and then you can start picking it apart. Like like those first drafts of Frank, 
there's a lot of good stuff in there, but it, it not most of it doesn't fit anymore. So we're going to have to take what's good and then apply it to a new version of that script. But that doesn't mean the, the effort was wasted. It just means that we have to look at it in a new light, in a new draft, in a new edit. And uh, it usually, it, it always comes out better for it. Yeah. Is it hard to edit like that, though? I mean, when I'm saying that, do you ever get attached to something so much you don't want to get rid of it? And yeah, usually, yeah, of, of course, yes. Yeah. That's why yeah. there's two of us so that the other can say, hey, this this, this doesn't go. Idiot. Like, let it go. Because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah, left alone. That together. That's why mm-hmm. I encourage every like, every writer, regardless, to, if you can't, you know, I, I say hire an editor. Like, just full stop, that's, that's the solution. But if you, for whatever reason, you're resistant to hiring an editor, at the very least, have someone that you trust read over it to tell you, hey, this doesn't work. Because uh, you, you need someone who isn't right here, like this close mm-hmm. to, the, to the story, uh, to, to be able to tell you when things are going astray. Yeah, it makes uh, sense. Have you ever had a, a piece that you edited out that you were able to use later in something else? Uh, Probably. Oh. <laughs> trying to think I'm, specifically I'm, for Frankenstein. Like, yes, in general, absolutely. Um, yeah. What do you for, for Never throw it away. Yeah. Just just save it for a rainy day. And yeah. in fact, there's there's a script I'm writing right now with my wife that, uh, like, an entire third of the book, we just kind of have to chunk. Um, but there's, you know, parts of that story that I'm like, why don't we bring this back as, like, a short and, like, you know, uh, that way we can keep it around because it still works. It's just, you know, the, the through line needs to be different. We need to go a different direction with it. So, yeah, they always, you know, when you have good story beats, you know, keep them around. We, I, I keep all of my former drafts in, yeah. in the, uh, like, in the drive, in Dropbox, wherever I can store it, um, so that if ever there comes a time where I'm like, I need something I can read back through and, and try and get inspiration for like, you know, what, what to do with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can go back to old writing and go, oh, that was a great idea. I'm going to just take part yeah. of this and bring it over here. <laughs> There's also nothing more self-flattering than, than reading through something and being like, this is better than I remember it being. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but but it's also uh, I I was writing by hand, which I have horrific handwriting. Same. And, and I, I've recently been archiving all of the old write, writing, and I'm trying to read this stuff, and I'm just going, "What was I even saying? I don't even know anymore." <laughs> do, do you ever go back on old writing and oh old draft pieces and go? What was I thinking right here? Oh, yeah, so, I mean, at some point, there's a statute of limitations on draft dates, and uh, if it was drafted more than five years ago, I'm generally like, okay, toss it. There's nothing good in there anymore. I don't even want to look at it. <laughs> oh and, my god! Like, there's it, it, it's 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 hard to read old stuff, but you do find, uh, for me specifically, it's uh, like dialogue choices, uh, like the flow of certain conversations will, yeah. Dialogue flows so well on that um, that like binge of writing. Uh, the dialogue can get a little hampered when you start editing it too much. Uh, and there are times in like these editing sessions where you'll be like, you'll pull it from a uh, previous draft and be like, okay, the dialogue flowed better here. Uh, most of the time, ideas tend to make it 
or if they don't make it, they go into a draft for another script that we, we just start writing. So, but yes, uh, we, we do visit old scripts, but to a certain point for me personally. Nice, nice. All right, everybody. The book is Frankenstein, the Unconquered, chapter three and four. Get on Kickstarter right now. You're going to find it. Other than Kickstarter, where would you guys like everybody to go to follow you? Uh, I have uh, a website, wellsthompson.com. There you can connect with me in several ways. Uh, Most importantly, uh, I run a newsletter called Comics, Cats, and Cocktails that is now hosted on Substack. Uh, It's all free. There's no paid anything yet. Uh, or, or maybe ever, I don't know. I'm just leaving that possibility open, but, uh, yeah, there you get exclusive looks at, uh, pages and covers before anyone else sees them. You, uh, see what we're reading and what we're up to. Uh, you get some cocktail recipes and you get pictures of, uh, my brood, my cat brood, uh, and, and any rescues that we have in, uh, that we're hosting. So you get uh, a nice little uh, variety of, of contents there. That comes out once a month, and I also post uh, semi-regularly with just short updates. Um, other than that, I'm on Twitter, and I refuse to call it the other thing, uh, yep. at, <laughs> at Wells Thump. Uh, and uh, if you're on Blue Sky, I'm there under the same name as well. Uh, yeah, and I just have a website, daltonkshannon.com. Uh, you can find links to the newsletter there. Uh, I refuse to participate in the thing we do not name. So uh, that's that's about all you'll find me on online these days. Hmm. I think you're better for not participating in it some days. Uh, you know, I mean, if I had a bigger following, I might have doubts about it. But you know what? It wasn't worth it for what I was getting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and most of my Twitter feed is just reposting other people. <laughs> yeah. You know, their projects and everything. It's a, I mean, it's a hot garbage website, but it is undeniably effective for what I need it for, which yeah. means that I will probably have to uh, just kicking and just leave it kicking and screaming whenever it uh, unceremoniously shuts down. Uh, but hopefully, you know, we will have uh, reached out and made uh, enough genuine contacts that we won't need it anymore by then. That is my my optimistic outlook. I got you. All right. Everybody listening, we use fake comic book covers to announce a new episode on Facebook page and the Facebook group. Uh, Unlike these guys, we can't pay the artist because we make no money. But if you wouldn't mind adding one, we can reformat the drawing any way you like. Um. A lot of people enjoy these. If you'll allow us to, we'll also add it to the cover gallery of the blog. If you're any kind of musician, singer, uh, performance artist, if you can put it on MP3, we usually have a music break. We don't have a guest like we did tonight. Uh, Rook gets really upset because I keep playing the same artist over and over and over again. <laughs> uh, we also have a T-shirt. It's on the sidebar of the blog. We have three of them. It's not to make us rich because that's been a horrible failure, but it's just to help us pay the hosting fees that came up every year. Listen to the show, wear the shirt. Rook? Everybody go to bunchofdorks.com and click on that Cyclops. You're going to find samples of things we talked about this evening and others. But until next time, everybody. Read. More. Comics.
Universe. You can hear our most recent 20 episodes on iTunes. If you would like to hear our older episodes, you can find them on our blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com and click, click on the Cyclops. Your Dimension can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe, rate, leave a review, tell a friend, or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening.